up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. We're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day. Free on all platforms. Coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same as Locked on Blazers. Your team every day. It was a drama-filled weekend for the Blazers. <laughs> More drama than anyone needed, quite frankly. Uh, the Gary Payton saga started basically at the close of business on Friday, heading into the weekend and heading into the Blazers game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It didn't even wrap itself up until there was two minutes left in the Super Bowl on Sunday night. It was all weekend long, and then we find ourselves back to where we started so let's wade through the muck. Um, this story, like, since we last spoke, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a, 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 a every you know every day of the week I do this podcast Monday through Friday. Uh, so I haven't talked into this microphone over the weekend, uh, and since since I last recorded one of these on Thursday night to when I'm recording this now on on Sunday evening. I'm tired of this story. I'm already worn. I'm already worn the heck out by it. But let's 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 walk through the Gary Payton timeline from this trade almost not happening. It was never really in jeopardy. But this trade, the the drama around this trade from from uh, uh, why it almost didn't go through or was briefly in fake jeopardy of not going through to where we landed on Sunday night, which is back to where we began. We'll talk about that. Blazers played a game on Friday night. We want to talk about Cam Reddish's debut and give a. A rosy outlook, a little little blazer positivity because I know you need it um, after this weekend about the future, what this future could hold um, without my own brand of pessimism. The, tr- the real deal Roly- Holyfield, no skeptic version of what the Blazers' uh, better scenarios, good scenarios might look like this summer, this off season. Let's get, let's get into the Gary Payton stuff first. Oh, here's here's a classic Mike sigh. Oh man. <laughs> okay, I I I do hate this story with most of my heart, but I will still bring it to you um in as 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 uh thorough a detail as I am capable. Friday, 4:08 p.m. A tw- a tweet drops from Shams Tarani of The Athletic and a story with uh, bylines from Anthony Slater. Eventually, the story was updated with, with credit to Marcus Thompson as well. But basically, the the Shams Tarani and the folks who write for the uh, San Francisco-based uh, athletic satellite office. Four o'clock, just after four o'clock on Friday, story comes out that Gary Payton, the, there is a holdup with a trade, the four-team trade that sends Gary Payton to the Warriors, Sadiq Bey to the Hawks, James Wiseman to the Pistons, and, and the Blazers in return are going to end up with Kevin Knox, five second-round picks. There's a holdup in this four-team deal. We'll just call it the deal from here on out. Hold up! In the, there's a hold up in the deal because Gary Payton is going to fail his physical. The Warriors are going to mark him down as a failed physical and includes the line in the story. The Blazers training staff had been pushing him, that's Gary Payton, pushing him to gut through it and giving him Toradol shots. Then I had to learn what Toradol is. <laughs> Something I frankly um, would have been better off not knowing about. It's um, it's a it's a pain pain medicine pain medication you can get it orally or you can get it via injections um the injections are typically larger but not always you can get small injections if you want but the but the in general an injection would be in typically larger than an oral dosage that will come up more later so that's at 408 p.m 
At 4.30 p.m., Joe Cronin steps to the podium for a pre-scheduled press conference to talk about the uh, trade deadline and the trades that had happened. So we're talking like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes before Joe gets up there. I mean, by my actual clock from like when the tweet posted to when Joe stepped up there was about 22 minutes. So we had about 22 minutes to read the story and be like, yo, what the? Knowing that this is going to be a big thing, right? This is a big deal. One of the trades you tried to, um, one of the trades you tried to make at the deadline is now held up, and there's some implications that um, the Blazers' training staff was maybe not taking uh, player health as 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 serious as they wanted. Joe did not really talk about the specifics. Um, he he did what you know what someone who's good at press conferences would do is he he just said like listen I, I i literally it literally just happened 5 minutes ago i can't really speak to the specifics and then he was sort of pressed later on about like can you just talk about sort of the larger implication of player health and he said the following player safety is super important to us it's a super important thing across the league we were playing him him again being gary payton he had been cleared and we were confident that he was healthy when he was playing we would not have brought him back if we thought he wasn't healthy or if we thought he was at risk. You trust that we did the right thing. You trust our process was correct. And these reports, you know, I think if you knew our clearance process was proper, so I will rely on that. Uh, th that's like a direct quote. I'm reading literally transcribed from the, from the video. I was not in the room at the time. But like in general, there's, I, I think that the, some pronouns get screwed up a little bit in there in terms of like you and, and such. Uh, second person pronouns screwed up a little bit. But like, it's listen, Cronin is saying, we let Gary Payton play because we cleared him to play and thought he was ready to go. He was asked about it. He answered it. He didn't really get pressed on the specifics of the painkiller stuff. And I do not think the painkiller stuff is particularly important. More on that in a second. So then the Blazers play a game. They lose to the Thunder. We'll talk about that later in the show. This is still lingering. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's like there was supposed to be the original reporting from the Athletics suggested that Saturday there would be a final decision made. Um, it was later updated that it was going to be Sunday that the decision was made, and the Athletic updated their story accordingly. A lot of updates to stories in this one. But it's Saturday, just after 3 p.m. on Saturday, Woj uh, reported basically the same thing the Athletic did. Uh, one of the funny things about... Uh, um, Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Tarani as they do not like each other, and I know that because they never, ever give the other one credit or acknowledge the other one has reported a story first. It's very typical in the past to be like, uh, can confirm whoever whoever's getting traded to Orlando, ESPN first. That does not happen with Shams and Woj anymore. They, um, if you know the whole thing, it's like they used to work together, then they, uh, Shams was the protege, then they kind of split off. Now they clearly have beef. So a funny thing about just watching this uh, story come out is like ESPN and The Athletic pretend the other ones doesn't exist. So Adrian Wojnarowski at three o'clock on Saturday basically writes the same story as that The Athletic had reported with the same implication um, that, that um, or the same reporting, I should say, not implication, written down in words, that Gary Payton, had taken Tordal, had taken, um, had been uh, injected with Tordal to play, and that was the basis. What much of the part of the Warriors' complaint was that they felt like the during the trade process, the Blazers did not disclose how hurt Gary Payton was and how how what his the situation with his body was like. So that's at three o'clock on Saturday. Then at four fifty-seven p.m. on Saturday, Chris Haynes releases a tweet. Chris Haynes of Bleach Report and uh, and the Turner Broadcast Networks releases a tweet from Aaron Goodwin, who is the agent uh, for Gary Payton II and also for Damian Lillard, um, just, just so you know. Um, and Aaron Goodwin says, 
according to Haynes, quoted from Haynes saying, despite what's being reported, my client never took Toradol shots to be available for games during his time in Portland. Okay, so we have reached the point now. It's 5 p.m. on Friday afternoon, and it's we have reached the point where somebody's lying. Because the reporting um, that is pretty clearly from, you know, it's like folks in the Bay Area reporting and, and Woj reporting and Woj reporting the Warriors are mad that like it's not even like sure it's like unsighted sources, but it's like this is how the Warriors feel um, clearly from the Warriors side worst perspective. And now uh, the agent saying the agent for, for the player involved in, in, in this is saying my client never took shots of was never given shots of Tordal to play for the Blazers. Okay. <laughs> Is this going to happen? That's about five o'clock. At 7.35, Gary Payton comes out and sits next to a Warriors GM, Bob Myers, and Mike Dunleavy Jr., who also works for the Warriors front office. He goes and sits out and watches the fourth quarter of the Warriors' loss on Saturday evening. At that point, I knew the trade was going through. It was always going through. But when Gary Payton is like still in San Francisco and he's chilling with the front office and like sitting and chatting with him, there's no way this trade's not going to happen. Obviously, this trade's going to happen. It's just how much how much beef do the Warriors have with what they perceive the Blazers did? That's that's where we're at, right? And why would the Warriors have why why would this trade go through and why do the Warriors have beef? That's kind of that to me is the crux. That to me is 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 really the crux of this. The Warriors have beef because they feel like that they got damaged goods. They feel like Gary Payton arrived and failed his physical. Uh, that, that is the crux of the anger here. That is the, that is like why they are mad. Um, the, 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 the sort of getting caught up with the Toradol stuff and we'll finish that in a moment. Um, that, that journey that really takes a turn. Um, but like it's, I don't know if it's so much about the painkiller stuff. To me, it is about Gary Payton just failed a physical and they're like, what the heck? What the heck? How did he get here and fail a physical? They're pretty, um, you know, they, they, According to the reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski and, and um, from Shamstrania and, and the rest of the guys at the Athletic, it is Gary Payton is likely to miss several weeks, if not months, with this injury. So he was playing in Portland. When the Warriors doctors see him, they're like, "Ugh, uh, we think he's way more hurt." To me, the interesting thing is like, how do two medical staffs determine from the same injury that things are very different? That is really, um, to me, the, the like the curious part of this. But but like the Warriors are pissed. <laughs> They're pissed, and that's why they are um, not going through this trade. They're creating this drama, right? Like they're mad. Uh, if you know, and the reason this trade's always going to go through is because there's massive tra trade implica uh, tax implications. The Blazers, or excuse me, the Warriors, getting out from under James Wiseman's salary saves them upwards of like sixty million dollars in taxes, eighty million dollars in taxes. Excuse me, it's. 80 million bucks. Uh, it, it's, it is, it is not like, um, negli I mean, it is negligible money kind of cause it's like billionaires, but it's like, it's not a small amount of money. It's a, $80 million is a massive, 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 massive amount of money for, um, not just for lay people, but just for like paying taxes beyond, um, beyond the salary you're already going to shell out, already going to shell out to NBA players. There was no incentive for the Warriors to, to muck this trade up. The only reason that they would drag themselves into a weekend long drama is cause they were pissed they were legitimately mad and they wanted to hold the blazers feet to the fire they wanted to they wanted to make the blazers mad and there were still more twists to come in this story in the second segment more twists and and the resolution here and, and i'll give my sort of final thoughts on a um 
on a messy story, but uh, we got to hit it. We got to hit ad break real quick. This episode brought to you by FanDuel. It's the midpoint of the NBA season. We're at we're actually past the midpoint of the NBA season, but the All Star break. We're heading into the second half of the NBA season. Perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's close this saga. So here we are. It's now Saturday evening. Gary Payton is sitting on courtside, not courtside, but to me, courtside is feet on the wood. He's sitting near the court um, with with the Bla- with the Warriors front office. It's clear he's not going back to the Blazers. This trade is going through. It's just how much drama, how much sort of pain do the Warriors want to enact? The reporting suggests that what they, you know, after the trade deadline, you can't you can't change the trade. It's a yes or no proposition. It's it's a all or none, right? It's um. A bunch of players hung up in this. Like I, I talked about, like the sort of human element of, of the trade deadline prior to uh, in an earlier show this week. It's like, what a weird thing to, to be Sadiq Bay and don't know if the team that drafted you is going to have to take you back or you're moving to Atlanta. What a weird thing to be James Wiseman. What a weird thing to be Kevin Knox. Um, it's it's very odd. What a very weird thing to be Gary Payton caught and caught sort of in the middle of this. So here we are, Saturday night, no resolution. The reporting suggests that there's going to be a resolution, has to be a resolution by 9.30. This is Adrian Wojnarowski, has to be a resolution by 9.30 Eastern time on Sunday. So, you know, it's coming down to the gun. <laughs> you know, you know, it's when I saw that, I said, well, at least I'll get to watch the Super Bowl before I find out what, what the resolution is here. What is the resolution? Well, at 12.25, 12.24 is when the tweet went out. I did the whole timeline, but to the minute. 12.24, tweet, tweet comes out from The Athletic that is an update clarifying that Dame, that excuse me that Gary Payton did not take injections of Toradol. He took doses, oral doses. <laughs> so it's like, this is just, it's just, uh, there's a lot of dumb stuff in this. This is why I'm kind of worn out by this. It's kind of sloppy reporting from The Athletic, to be clear. Like, it's like, you want to get that right. And then even when they made the update, it still used the term shot up in the in the phrasing of the story. Like, it's just kind of sloppy. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of updating of stories. You got to update the whole story. It just, it, do, it doesn't look good. Um, reporters get things wrong. They, they weren't really printing a retraction. They were just saying like, oh, here's an update to the story. Again, I don't think the Toradol is the, is the, is the real crux here. I don't, I don't think it's the real crux. But it's a pretty stupid little detail, which brings us back to the statement from Aaron Goodwin of Goodwin Sports, uh, Gary Payton's agent. One of the all-time great moments in clarification history where he stated, despite what's being reported, my client never took Toradol shots to be available for games during his time in Portland. Sure didn't. Sure didn't. That is one of those that is one of those moments where you uh, provided clarification, but not clarity. Um, it's uh, truly uh, one of the stupidest turns in this saga. That's a twelve twenty five. Okay, now the athletics saying we got this wrong. Um, it, it wasn't injections. It was it was it was oral medicine. So okay, it was it was oral doses of of the same medicine. 
okay, well, the trade's still going to go through. It's just, now we're just, now we're just like, the beef is still rolling along. At about 3 p.m., uh, both The Athletic and ESPN reported about right after one another that the failed that the Warriors were going to accept the trade officially. It was going to go down as a failed physical, but they're going to accept the trade. So, like, um, basically what the Warriors were dragging their feet on was that they wanted to be able to appeal to the league. They want to appeal to the league and um, have the have the Blazers be punished in some way for failure to disclose all of the details of the injury. And what the what the Warriors are probably after is just punishment. They don't like they don't care about the the loss of picks or the um uh or the money, right? They, they, like for what what like specifically happens to the Blazers, what they're after is that the Blazers face some punishment because they feel wronged in this area. So before three a little before three p.m., both ESPN and the Athletic report that's going to go through at six forty eight p.m. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reports that the trade is completed. Gary Payton is a Warrior. Uh, Kevin Knox is is a Blazer. The Blazers will also get five uh, f- five second round picks in the trade. Uh, James Wiseman's headed to the Pistons and Sadiq Bey headed to the Hawks. The four-teamer finally closed after three days of mess. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. I, um, here's how you know this was a mess. Both teams' fan bases, and I'm judging this mostly by like Reddit because um, it's the easiest way to kind of get a pulse of, it's also got to get a pulse of like the most, um, let's we'll say passionate folks, but it's it, the most, most passionate folks. It's like both teams fan bases are calling the other, other team rats. Blazers are rats for blah, 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 blah. Warriors are rats for blah, blah, blah. It's messy. It's messy. And it's, it, it's, I would say it is, it is, it is mostly a bad look. I don't even know if it's, it, it, here's how I feel about it. I feel that it lays bare the sort of way that the news brokers and breakers in the league break stories. They do things for a certain viewpoint. But I will say, the like, this is not uncommon, even, like, in local markets by local reporters. You have access to who you have access to, and when they tell you stuff, you report it. Um, I, I don't think necessarily the reporting was intentionally malicious to, um, by, by, the athletic who initially broke the story to like to get the Blazers. I do think the Warriors had an axe to grind. That that I, I'm like I'm I'm drawing this sort of um, maybe you're not seeing the distinction or maybe not hearing the distinction if you're if you're listening to the audio. But for me, this is more about the Warriors had an axe to grind, and so they went out and ground it. They went out and made sure that that the Blazers felt it. They the the Warriors never had any intention of, of rescinding this trade for all of the f- obvious financial reasons. So like huge, huge, huge tax relief based on getting um, out from under James Wiseman's money. Because they were never going to do that, they dragged themselves into some unnecessary drama. They did not need to do this. But the the they the only reason that they take it this far is because they're legitimately mad at, at, at the Blazers. Legitimately mad. And you can like choose your own adventure on on on, on th- whether they get to be mad or whatever. For me, the point is they were mad. It's not what type of painkiller Gary Payton took or whatever it is. It's that the the Warriors are sitting there saying, we feel like you didn't disclose all the injury stuff. And the Blazers are saying like, listen, th- like you had this dude in camp, you knew, or you had this dude last year, you knew he was going to get surgery. He missed half the season. Then he's coming back and playing sparing minutes for us. Like, you know, and, and, and we've cleared him to play, right? Like, so like the invert, like from, from the Blazers side, their opinion is that like, he missed a bunch of time. Then he came back 
and now he's playing. And for us, it's behind us. And for the on the Warriors side, to say this body is still screwed up. And to me, that's the interesting part, not the what type of meds or whatever thing. Like I think there's, there's a lot of hand wringing about um, on the internet about about the painkiller stuff. To me, that is not particularly important. What is what is important here, and what was sort of the crux of the beef, is that one training staff looked at Gary Payton and said, "You're good to go, baby." And the other training staff said, whoa, 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 you can't play for a month. You you are not ready to play basketball. I don't know enough about medicine to know how two training staffs could, could look at the same injury and think that. So, and I, quite frankly, I just, I like, I don't, um, I don't even know what goes into clearing a guy to play basketball coming back from a, from th- that type of surgery. I'm a podcaster. I'm not going to pretend to understand this. What I will say is that like, I, it's pretty clear the why why the Warriors were pissed. And from the Blazers' perspective, it's pretty clear why they'd be like, we didn't do anything wrong because we believe wholeheartedly that he's good to go and that's why we cleared him to play. I do think rewinding to how Gary Payton kind of, how the, the Gary Payton saga kind of played out and him getting back on the floor is worth remembering. I don't know if it's like super meaningful, but, you know, he was supposedly going to play. He was... The Blazers were a little slow to announce his um, his surgery, uh, but at the time it didn't seem that like that big of a deal because he got the surgery in July, but they didn't announce it um, in, until September. And then it was like, oh, but he'll be ready for training camp. And then he wasn't ready for training camp, and it was reevaluated, and they pushed it back and pushed it back. And then um, they didn't. He was available once to the media, but then he wasn't available again. And it led to all this speculation. And then eventually it came from uh, Chauncey Billups, who was you know pressed on it by reporters after months and months and months of having to be like. I don't have an update on Gary. He's getting close or I, we don't have an update on Gary. And saying like, he didn't say it, but the implication was he's been cleared to play. It's up to him when he plays. And that isn't public pressure. I did not mean to say that that's public pressure, but what it is is saying like, we believe Gary's ready to go. He doesn't believe he's ready to go. And then, a, a, you know, a week later, Gary gets back on the court and plays. At the time, it just seemed like, yeah, Gary Payton's not ready. He's not physically ready. He's not mentally ready. And he doesn't trust himself to go go out and play. In hindsight, it it, it does, it is worth remembering that even getting after even missing 35 games, even getting Payton back out here was a little bit contentious between what the Blazers believed his like sort of readiness to go and what he believed his readiness to go. I kind of think a similar dynamic is playing out here, except it's now playing out between two medical staffs and it was unnecessarily drama filled and messy. Uh, Thanks in part to some reporting from the national media. Thanks in part from um, just like the nature of unnamed sources and the timing of Joe uh, Cronin's press conference. It's a mess. I'm glad it's behind us. We'll see what happens with the Blazers. The league is going to investigate it um, for the Blazers or the Warriors have, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, have, you know, officially whatever lodged a complaint with the league. The league office is going to look into it and we'll kind of get some clarity there. Um, yeah, I, I think it is. It's just bad. <laughs> like It's just bad. You just don't want it to end up. You do not. You don't want it to end up here. Nobody. Lo- nobody comes out of here looking like well, you did the right thing because. Um, it just ends up, it, it, it's odd. It is an odd and messy situation. I don't think there are winners here. I think there are losers to a variety, variety of different degrees. Choose, choose who you'd like to be the biggest loser. You can, you can call out who you think the biggest loser is. I, I like, I, I, I know that there is vitriol from both sides and I sort of see it from, I, I, I don't know if I see it from both sides. I can understand why certain perspectives would be held from either side of this messy situation. 
okay, let's be done with it for a little bit. Let's just be done. Let us wash our hands of Gary Payton and talk about brighter days. Uh, I was pretty, on Friday's show, I was pretty skeptical of what the Blazers did at the trade deadline. Not, not necessarily what they did, but like what they do from here. I would like to remove my natural skepticism and give you a truly positive outlook on what's next and talk a little bit about Cam Reddish's debut. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let me tell you, this episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, from your company, and from their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs, connect with them fast and for free. Plus, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen, rate, and screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications, and it's all in one easy-to-use platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's get a little rosy. Uh, typically, we would have done a fastest recap in the West in this one. Blazers lost uh, 138-129 to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday. They didn't look good in the fourth quarter. Um, they couldn't stop Shea Gilders-Alexander. He's really good, and they made him look really good. Um, his shot chart is wild. He got to the rim whenever he wanted and missed a three-pointer. That's pretty much what his shot, shot, shot chart tells you. That's what the game told you. When he wanted to get in the paint, he could. But instead of like recapping a bad game, this weekend was messy. If you're a big Blazer fan, this weekend kind of was kind of bad. <laughs> like I get it. Um, it's it, so let's 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 end with a little bit of a true positive outlook. Um, I was on Friday's show. It was right after the trade deadline, and I I kind of recapped um, my sort of underwhelmedness with with the with the trade deadline. But I I, I think I let my skepticism about executing the plan kind of color my analysis of the plan itself. So let's talk about the plan itself, and I will remove my skepticism. Here's what the Blazers can do following the trade deadline. First of all, Cam Reddish makes his debut against the Thunder. He starts. I really like that he started. Um, I like if you're a, a new player or a bad, you know, b- bad players, young players, unfamiliar players, put him with the best guys on the court. Let him play his minutes with... With Dame and, and Jeremy Grant and Ant, like you're just gonna, dudes are gonna look better with with better teammates. Um, much easier to kind of get in where you fit in as opposed to like playing with a with a, a second unit kind of messy already kind of messy second unit that's got super young guys Shane Sharp and Jabari Parker throw or Jabari Walker rather Jabari Parker uh, would not be helpful either on the second unit but he's not on the team. Uh, but like you know couple rookies, uh, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of Anthony Simons point guard minutes, which have been up and down this year. So like, I, I liked that Cam Reddish started and I thought right away, 
showed his showed what he can do. You know, got to the score the the opening uh, opening five points of the game. He throws it in the post, cuts, gets a, gets a pass back off a cut, scores, hits a three, a late clock three pointer. Um, he all told finished with eleven points, uh, two boards, two assists in seventeen minutes. He was four of seven from the floor, two of five from the from three point line, and made his one free throw on it. And one baby, um, Cam Reddish looks like a basketball player. The problem with him has mostly been consistency and consistent production, but man, can you see how tantalizing he can be? He's 6'8", he can dribble a little bit, he can handle a little bit. I thought he looked really bad on defense against the Thunder, but let that's one game. He kind of uh, admitted that his, his defense was pretty far behind in that one. Um, we're gonna we're just gonna shoot him bail on that one. That's we're gonna that one does not matter. It doesn't. That is um, we'll save that analysis for another time. Um, but like the size, the handle, the, you know, he can shoot it a little bit. It's like, yeah, this is, ex- if, if he puts it together with his skills that he has with consistency, whew, could he be good? And I think that's why he was a 10th pick in the draft. That's why the, the Knicks at the time traded a, a, a first round draft pick to acquire him. Like he's, he's, he's been tantalizing. He just hadn't quite put it together. If he puts it together in Portland, it starts to paint the picture of what can be next. And I think that's the important part of what they did at the deadline. It's about what the next move comes. I've been talking about a bunch on the show is that summer, the summertime is the time for them to make a big trade. And Joe Cronin at his press conference on Friday said the same thing. It's like, we are, he said, we are almost anxious to push all our chips in to make a big trade. Like he was, he's very clear about them, their willingness and desire to make a trade. He also admitted, and I thought that I, I, I appreciated this, is that he's kind of selling faith and selling hope to a fan base that wanted action. And he recognizes that he's asking you to trust him and trust is, you know, earned. But he also noted that the last time he made a big trade of the trade deadline, you maybe got back at first and was like, this package isn't great, but it set themselves up with a perfectly with a trade exception that allowed them to acquire, acquire Jeremy Grant. It really felt like step one of the CJ trade was specifically designed for step two of the Jeremy Grant acquisition, the trade, the draft pick and the exact size trade exception you need to get back Jeremy Grant. Step one sets up step two. So if you're, if you're trusting, um, Joe Cronin's, you know, multi-step approach to these things because he knows that he can't go all in at the same time and the Blazers don't, um, didn't have the tools to go all in. The summertime is when it can happen. And if you have Cam Reddish, who's, who's got some tools, he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. If you want to keep him, he's probably going to be cheap to keep. And if he pops here, you might end up getting a cheap, cost-controlled 23-year-old forward with some with some size to be impactful on both sides of the court, some shooting skills, some ball handling skills, like the exact type of player every team is after. They also acquired Matisse Thibel. And Thibel is pretty limited on offense, but an elite defender. You know, every, every you know, multi-time all-defense uh, earner, uh, multi-time all-defense representative. The advanced numbers jump off the page. If you watch him play, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty darn good defensive player. Like, he's he's... Um, he, he's, he's a really, really, he's really, really, really good on that end. So you address some wing, you address some, uh, needs to get better on defense. You address some wing versatility and both Thibel and Cam Reddish will be restricted free agents this summer and will likely be cheaper to retain than, um, many other options. I, there's a pretty good chance that Josh Hart makes more money this summer than Thibel and Cam Reddish combined. Josh Hart's better at basketball. So that's kind of how that works. But, um, that is wing depth, youthful wing depth, addressing the defense, and cheap to retain, plus. 
in that trade that netted you Cam Reddish, you get a first-round pick from the Knicks. That first-round pick is lottery-protected, meaning if the Knicks make the playoffs, it, that pick belongs to the Blazers. The Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Like, there's a chance they bottom out and don't, but they're they're good enough, and the, the bottom of the East is not that scary. I'm comfortable saying the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. The Blazers are going to end up with something like the 21st pick in the draft. That is valuable for a couple reasons. One, it's valuable because the Blazers could just have the 21st pick in the draft, draft someone that helps, and be good from there. But moreover, if Portland misses the playoffs, and quite frankly, Joe Cronin's press conference seemed to suggest that he is comfortable missing the playoffs and recognizing that that might be the direction this team heads. That's fine. It's fine. A little little disappointing, but it's fine. That would give the Blazers something like the 9th or 11th pick in the draft, and also the Knicks pick, which would be the 21st pick in the draft. For our purposes, let's call it 10 and 20, because those are easy numbers to remember. The 20th pick is really valuable to me, because you could trade that pick to the Chicago Bulls and say, hey, you have a lottery-protected pick that belongs to the Portland Trailblazers. How about you give that pick, give that rights to that pick back in exchange for this pick from the Knicks? It's about where you expect this to convey because the Blazers pick only goes to Chicago once Portland makes the playoffs. So like right in that range, 15, 18, 19, somewhere in that range. So if the Knicks pick is like the 19th pick in the draft, you say, hey, Pacers, or excuse me, hey, Bulls, instead of waiting down the line and having this pick be like something that's deep into the future, just take this one. Just take this one. Give us our pick back. Bam. The Blazers have all of their stuff to trade and now they're set up. Two young guns to move into the future with Thibel and Reddish. Um, if either of them are really effective, you pay them and make them part of the team. If either if they aren't particularly effective, it is a they are low cost flyers to see if they're going to work down the stretch of the season. And regardless, you still end up with a draft pick that could allow you to get your protected pick back from the Bulls and thus trade all of your future picks and some young parts to land whatever star is available on the market. That's the rosy outlook. That's the plan. And, and Cronin didn't, I don't know if he spelled it out that clearly, but he spelled it out close to that clearly at his as press conference on Friday. If you, if you want to think that, you know, that what we've been, I've been talking about a bunch on this podcast is like the big move comes in the summer. What happened on the trade deadline, while it might be a little bit underwhelming now, it sets the Blazers up for a, for a possibility to still absolutely real deal holy field Go for it in the summertime. They are they are better poised to take a big old swing now than they were on Wednesday. You know, heading into the trade Thursday morning, they were not as well positioned. Well, they made the trade on Wednesday night. Wednesday morning, they were not as well positioned to make a a big swing trade in the offseason as they were on Friday morning when I when I came out with a podcast a podcast a little more filled with skepticism. I don't know if my view has changed, but I wanted to give you a true sort of like hey, this is the real best case scenario, void of all of my pessimism. You got it? That's the view. That's what happens next. The rest of the this year is like, we'll see where they end up and we'll see how Reddish fits and we'll see how Thibel fits. Um, we'll see if Kevin Knox is like involved at all. I, I don't imagine he will be, but it'll be a chance to find out where those guys fit. And it starts Monday against the Lakers. That's who the Blazers play tomorrow night. Uh, not clear if LeBron James is going to play. He's missed the last couple games and he's listed as questionable. Uh, we will see. We will see if LeBron doesn't play. The Lakers are beatable, although they are better after the trade deadline. Um, if LeBron does play, the Lakers are just straight up good, and it's going to be a tough game. Two more games before the All Star break, then the All Star break. Stick with us five days a week. 
Got you covered on all things Portland Trailblazers right here on Lockdown Blazers. Coming at you Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen every weekday. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you soon.